This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Best not make any more threats to the United States. They will be met with fire and fury like the world has never seen. He has been very threatening uh, beyond a normal statement. And as I said, they will be met with fire, fury, and frankly, power, the likes of which this world has never seen before. Okay, so that is U.S. President Donald Trump today responding to the latest news uh, about North Korea. And certainly this has been a rather eventful file for this, this president. NBC News has a story today with the timeline of everything that has happened with, uh, with regard to North Korea since Trump was sworn in as president. And there have been uh, numerous developments, certainly even just in recent days. It was only six days ago, uh, following North Korean test, that the U.S. Uh, military successfully test launched uh, an ICBM from California, uh, just days after a North Korean test. Uh, then, of course, uh, just a few days ago, the U.N. Security Council unanimously approved tough new sanctions against North Korea. North Korea responded to that with a statement vowing to respond to the United States was, uh, with a severe lesson with nuclear force. And Washington responded with military action. Uh, reports today suggesting that North Korea has successfully miniaturized a nuclear warhead that could be placed on an ICBM. So that's obviously a significant development. So where does all of this go from here? And what do we know for sure as well when it comes to North Korea? Very difficult, obviously, to, to ascertain what the North Koreans are up to. That's a real challenge for the intelligence community. Uh, joining us on the line is Alexander Lockheed. He's a news editor and a military and foreign policy blogger at Business Insider. Alex, thanks for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. Well, what, what do you make of uh, the president's response to, to this news today? Well, he certainly has a knack for putting things in vivid terms. Yes. And uh, he's done that here in kind of kind of a vague way. Um, what's odd is that every president maintains that the U.S. will respond to being attacked with appropriate military force. That's really not anything out of the ordinary, but if, what he specifically said, and he does have kind of an imprecise way of talking, but he says that he'll respond to further threats from North Korea with the fire and the fury. So North Korea is like a propaganda state that regularly puts out really hyperbolic statements. Uh, you just recounted that they said something like, they would respond a thousandfold and teach us a severe nuclear lesson. So um, I think he may have painted himself in a corner a little bit here because uh, I think that you can expect North Korean propaganda, you know, career officials who do this work at a nine to five office, probably worse hours than that in North Korea, and put out propaganda. I don't think they're going to stop. And I don't think he's going to make good on his fire and fury thing just because they put out a press release. Well, there's a lot of bluster that we get from the North Koreans. And, and obviously then it's difficult to, to cut through all of that and, and deduce what's true. There aren't a lot of uh, intelligent assets on the ground. I saw one former analyst describe North Korea as a black hole of intelligence. That it's just it's 
almost impossible to to penetrate the inner circle. And in terms of knowing what they're really up to, that it represents a challenge, doesn't it? Absolutely. I think um, some some of the challenge is a little self-imposed. The big story uh, today, uh, the Washington Post saw this defense memo, this intelligence report saying that they're miniaturizing nuclear warheads. And that's important news that the U.S. has acknowledged it. But in, uh, I think it was March of 2016, Kim Jong-un was photographed in front of a miniaturized nuclear device. And as you just rightly pointed out, they do engage in a lot of bluster. So you don't want to take them at their word on all their propaganda images, but given the nature of the nuclear tests they've carried out before, a lot of experts were were already well ahead of the U.S. government here in saying that we believe that they can miniaturize a nuclear warhead. What about their, their ICBMs? Um, in terms of, of having that capability, especially the reentry capability, do, do we have a good sense of where they're at on, on that technology? Well, there again, uh, experts are split. So I talked to one rocket scientist, a very bright guy, and uh, watched the video myself of the latest test reentering the atmosphere. And he believes that the reentry vehicle broke up. As it re-enters the Earth's atmosphere, it deals with this amazing friction and heat that would just tear anything to shreds that isn't, you know, perfectly made. And you have to have a lot of experience to have a good re-entry vehicle. So he thinks it burned up. Other analysts watch the film. And at this point, it's, it's traveling like miles a second. Mach 20, many times the speed of sound. Um... And a nuclear weapon doesn't actually hit the ground. It explodes in the air. It can do an airburst. Um, so really experts are split on that, but it isn't the type of thing that anybody I've talked to would be willing to roll the dice on. You know, they're yeah. close. If they didn't get it this time, they'll get it next time or the time after that. And that's the dilemma here. We don't want them to get it, but there are no easy answers. I mean, the, you know, in fairness to this president, he's inherited this problem. The previous approach to North Korea, dealing with North Korea, maybe hasn't worked. But when you look at um, what North Korea is capable of, you look at how many people live just miles away in, in, in Seoul, South Korea, the number of U.S. troops in South Korea, uh, any kind of military action against North Korea entails all kinds of tremendous risk. That's right. And the risk, and I want to be especially careful never to be flippant about this. The risk is mainly to South Koreans. And they're, they're not Americans, but these are democratic people in a very advanced country. They like the U.S. We like them. These are our allies. And if we are not there to fully do everything possible to protect them, then we shouldn't be there. That's the entire nature of our partnership with them and ultimately uh Seoul's gonna have to make the call and uh the US really has no business engaging with them. Even forget the nuclear issue. Let's say that all missile defense works perfectly and that um you know the Air Force just goes through and destroys every missile before anything can happen. 
the conventional artillery that's been in place in North Korea for decades is enough to kill tens of thousands in Seoul. And it's, it's just not the type of thing we can ever take lightly. I mean, you can make these bluster statements. You can drum up the base. Maybe an embattled president would see some value in, you know, drumming up a common enemy, right, in North Korea. But we can never look past the people that are living. We're scared now because of ICBMs, right? Mm-hmm. Seoul has been living under threat of annihilation from North Korea for decades. And you know what? They've done it. Their country is in a boom. It's, it's wild over there. Yeah, no kidding. Now, it was interesting because uh, the, the vote before the U.N. Security Council was 15 to, to zero. So uh, I think when you look at the Chinese in particular, where, where they came down was significant. Do, do you think China has an important role to play here? Do, do they still have leverage uh, over the uh, North Korean leadership? China absolutely has a tremendous amount of leverage. They do something like 85 to 95 percent of external trade with North Korea. So if they wanted to, they could just flip the switch, not trade with North Korea, and the regime would collapse. And that sounds really desirable from our perspective, but China has different strategic goals, and not all of them are selfish or even wrong, I think. I mean, there are 25 million people living in North Korea, and they prioritize their military. They prioritize the nuclear and missile programs. So if we were to cut off all aid and all trade to them, the people that would suffer would be average North Koreans. And uh, economic warfare absolutely does kill people. People would absolutely starve. Young kids wouldn't get nourished and you know, never achieve their full potential. China doesn't want to deal with the influx of refugees. China doesn't want a united, strong, democratic Korea right on their borders where the U.S. can base troops, where the U.S. can contain them as they, you know, seek to grow their national power. All right. Well, fascinating uh, developments today. We'll see where this all goes from here. More at businessinsider.com. Alexander, thanks for joining us here. Really appreciate this. Thank you so much for having me. All right, take care. You too. Alexander Lockie, he's a news editor, uh, covers military and foreign affairs matters at businessinsider.com. All right, 403-974-8255 is our number. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.